Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Just how will the Cardinals' defense attack Josh Allen and the Bills? We'll get the answers, or attempt to get the answers, from Vance Joseph. Patrick Peterson is looking forward to his matchup with Stefan Diggs, and then offers up a proposal, more like a plea, to Commissioner Roger Goodell. But first, a new adjective to describe the future Hall of Famer, Larry Fitzgerald. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 350, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So Bills head coach Sean McDermott this week speaking with reporters called Larry Fitzgerald, quote, the hallmark of our league, end quote. MJ, I had to look that up. Now, I know about hallmark stores and hallmark cards and hallmark television, but the definition of hallmark, here it is, a distinctive feature, especially one of excellence. Heck, MJ, that fits Larry Fitzgerald to a T. Yeah, I was going to say, you think of Hallmark, you think of old. <laughs> Don't tell him that. <laughs> but it's true. Well, I, I like Sean McDermott, and, uh, you know, I got a chance to see some of that uh, transcript. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think at this point, you know, teams clearly are aware of Larry Fitzgerald's career. But, you know, when you get on a conference call, you, you, you got to ask, you know, what do you think of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk? But, for those that do ask, and, and I'm sure when we, you know, the media gets a chance to talk to Belichick, he may fill up your entire notebook just on Larry Fitzgerald. That's I mean, true because with AFC East teams, you're only playing them once every four years, and you're right. You asked Belichick. I remember that a couple of years back when things were quote-unquote normal, and there was one question asked, and he might have gone down the entire roster with a note on each guy. I was stunned. But then again, there's a dual purpose with that. It means less time for him to answer questions that the media has. But to your point, yes, it's when you have these teams that you don't see a lot and you want to get the perspective, I think it speaks volumes of what not only we think of Larry Fitzgerald, but the entire league. McDermott added, quote, he's made the NFL and our world a place, end quote. And I can't think of a better statement than that to talk about Fitz on and off the field. Yeah, and, you, you know, when you you look at that, and, again, we know how well-respected he is and everything else, but, you know, Larry, he approaches, uh, you know, Cliff said, I don't know if another guy has won life like he has, just all this other stuff, but just how personable he is, you know, um, with other coaches. Now, if you want to go back to the summer before they came out with their 100th century team, Larry had to fly to to the uh, studios, and he got some, he got time to spend with Bill Belichick. It wasn't just a quick interview and fly out. I mean, he was there for a couple of days. Um, Randy Moss and Jerry Rice, but, but but Belichick was up there, and I'm sure that him and Larry, you know, had some deep conversations because you know he wants to get his perspective. Belichick went back and looked at all the film of all the people that were getting in, so he knew what to talk about. But when it came to Larry. I mean, he put him in the same class as, as Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. So it was remarkable. But Larry, 
you know, over the years, everyone said if he's going to get traded, he's going to trade to the Patriots. That never happened. I know for a fact two teams, and I'll tell you who they are, the Browns and Raiders were willing to pick up his $23.6 million contract on a trade because they needed a face of the franchise. And the Cardinals said no. Thank you. It's not happening. And I never No, that even, was back in the back No, in the yeah, I know. But I never even considered it back then. It just one, it's one thing if you're not talented and you're just hanging around because you're a good guy and you're good with the media and you're good in the community. It's another thing when you're that plus talented on the field. And is he catching a hundred balls each and every year? No. Is he getting ten targets each and every game? No. But when he is targeted, he's making the catch. And if it's a third down play or a fourth down play or you need a big play on a crucial drive, I don't care who's on the field. I'm looking at number 11. Well, just take a couple interviews we had on Thursday with Patrick Peterson. Now, again, these guys are asked questions. And Patrick's just talking about, you know, from now on, these games we'll get into are all playoff games. Larry was asked about, you know, the hypothetical paraphrasing, what's it like to play two games in five days? And he said, I'm focused on tomorrow. And this guy's been a league all long time. He knows the schedule. If we really true sir, he knows the entire schedule, home and away. Patrick said they had five division games. Larry would know they had four. And that's just the tunnel vision. And when you get answers from them, they're concise. I mean, it's not just talking to talk. So, you know, I, I've enjoyed covering them, and I think we all have. Fitz will not go beyond tomorrow's practice, so to speak, and literally tomorrow's practice, although he did add he brought up the Bills on his own and then called them a team that does not beat themselves very sound. Now, your reference about Patrick Peterson and what this stretch means, quote, Every game is a playoff game. This is the part of the season where you start to separate the contenders and the pretenders, and we want to be a contender. We can't let no game slip away. You couldn't be more night and day between these two superstars in that Cardinals locker room, but that is one, that is Fitz, and two, that's Peterson. And let's discuss what Peterson had to say because he's absolutely correct. We've talked about it all year long off-season, training camp, and now earlier in the season. We're in November, MJ, midpoint of November. These are meaningful football games for the Arizona Cardinals for the first time in a long time, and game number one is this Sunday. Well, there's no doubt, and, and we talked about this team scratching out some road wins. They already have three. Uh, obviously, you want to have a nice record at the end of the season at home. They're 2-0 in the division. You know, obviously, you know, they'd like to be six and two, seven and one realistically, but they are five and three. And I like what Cliff said to start the week. They control their own destiny. I mean, you got four division games. You know, you get, the schedule is going to get a little more difficult. You're going to have to go on the road. Um, but at the same time, I, I think they're up for the task. Every game they play from here on out until we get to the postseason, we know it's about matchups. They're all winnable. Now it's a matter of finishing, playing four quarters. We still keep hearing they haven't played a, you know, a four-quarter game yet. I think they've shown flashes on both sides of the ball, including special teams. Um, you know, you've got to start stacking wins. You know how I feel about losing streaks. That doesn't help. Maybe people start to question things, not so much uh, during the week, but at the time. Like, we could have done this and this. Maybe that was the case last week against the Dolphins. Maybe you get the ball in Kyler Murray's hands because he really gives you the best chance to win. And, and they're going to need to, you know, win on special teams. I mean, Zane Gonzalez, is, he's going to be in some pressure kicks, and they're confident in him, but what have you done for me lately? 
Peterson brought up starting better than what they have, offense, defense, special teams, and then closing out to your point, this team is 2-2 two and two in one-score games, as Kyle Odegaard noted on that Zoom call, which is great. You want to be able to win those games, yet that two in the loss column, to Peterson's point, those are the games they let slip away. Does it come back to haunt them? That's what you hope doesn't happen. That's why I like the seriousness, the tone in Peterson's voice when talking about what these last eight games mean. He called it a blessing to be able to be in this position playing these eight contests that really matter. Now, does it put some undue pressure on their shoulders? I don't think so. I mean, there's pressure every single week, and it doesn't mean that the playoffs are off the table if they should stumble at some point during this eight-game run. But to his point, the focus being locked in, to use Kyler Murray's terminology, I think that is what we like to hear now, as we've been saying it, show us on Sunday. Yeah, and, and you've been really consistent about meaningful football, and it really starts in November and December, and, and football is going to change as, as the weather changes more on the East Coast. Cardinals will have to go to New England, but, you know, let's be honest, Craig, the last two years at this point, they were just playing out the season. I mean, we were excited with this team in the month of December. Um, you know, you're hoping for carryover, and I think based on them having the same coaching staff, same quarterback, adding more talent and personnel, um, they have definitely improved. They didn't win their fifth game until December last year. So you, you got to take advantage of what you have. But they're, again, I said this last week and they lost the game, but they're playing for something. And they know that it, it's not like we got a team, um, like the Steelers in the conference the team at least has two losses and some more. And with the win, they would have been talked about this week. Are they one of the better teams? Again, I don't like getting to who are the best teams in week eight. Let check with me in week 14 or 15 when it means something. Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the best team, and all of a sudden they get spanked on national television by another good team in the Saints. Now the question is, what's wrong with the Buccaneers? That's this ebb and flow, the roller coaster, if you will, of the National Football League. Well, you know, I think the AFC, it's top heavy. You know, you, you look at the Ravens, uh, you look at the Chiefs, maybe the Bills are in there, the Steelers. The NFC, it's wide open. Wide open. There is, I think, somewhat of a we're starting to see a little bit of a separation, those two lost, three lost teams, and then there's a drop off in talent. I do think that the Cardinals are a playoff team. They will be a playoff team. They've got that extra playoff team added for this twenty twenty season. We'll see if there's an eighth playoff team added. I know that's something that the league would like. They're negotiating with the players association with that. We'll get into that when that becomes official, but that was something that was discussed this week around NFL circles. I think we're seeing because the drop-off with the 49ers injuries, they just can't get back, and I think we're seeing, you know, the Chicago Bears. Are they for real? Teams like that. And the NFC East. <laughs> you know you're only going to get one of those teams because right. you have to by rule. Right, but I mean, again, I, I like, you know, I know the t- there's power rankings out there, and I pay attention to them. And it's nice and refreshing now when I see the Cardinals 10th, 11th, 12th, and then I look at who's in the division a little bit higher. They're they're really the, the Seahawks just based on their body of work, and they do have a better record even though the Cardinals beat them. Um, the Rams and Cardinals are kind of teetered around the same spot, and then the Niners are down below. But it, it is nice to see them like 10th to 12th. Um, coming off a loss last week, I think they dropped two spots, but – yeah, I just think when you start looking at the teams that have five or six wins right now in the NFC, 
I think it's wide open and we know you got to stay healthy and sometimes you're going to get lucky, but um, they're playing meaningful games already. And I like what Patrick said, the playoffs start, it should have started last week, but I know when you use benchmarks, this is now the second half. They got eight games. We always break it out in quarters. This is when it starts. So we'll see, as you pointed out in the last couple of weeks, what team is going to show up. It's not on Monday night football. It's not on Sunday night football. But based on the practices the last couple of days, I do see energy out there. Um, but, again, it's got to translate to the field. It's just got to be more consistent across the board. And that's something that Kyle Murray brought up as well. He doesn't like this reoccurring cycle that they've had so far this season. We'll see if they can get out of that circle, if you will, kind of chasing their tail, trying to get right on the straight and narrow. Bird Gang, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. As we continue to push forward, week 10, Cardinals hosting the Bills. 205 is the kickoff from State Farm Stadium. 4,200 fans in attendance for the second straight week. We'll see if that increases. The Cardinals do have three more home games, the Rams, Eagles, and 49ers still to visit the Valley this season. But more on Patrick Peterson. We touched on Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins in yesterday's show. Let's now kind of focus on what we hope to see on Sunday, and that is Peterson matched up against Diggs. Peterson asked about that. Quote, you guys will have to wait and see what happens Sunday with a big smile on his face. MJ, you know this is the matchup that he wants. He gets up for these types of games, these types of one-on-one battles. It's just a matter of do we see it? Not only I don't think he had to talk Vance Joseph into that, but I think the big reason why you don't see Peterson matched up one-on-one with the receiver is because of what's happening around him. If you don't have your complement of defenders, meaning in the secondary, well, then you can't just say, hey, 21, you take that guy, we'll cover the rest. Like last week, he had to do more talking about Patrick Peterson. That's why maybe he was out of position sometimes or playing a little bit more zone covers than matched up one-on-one, and that's where he looked like he got beat. I think this, though, if you do have Drake or Patrick, if you do have Byron Murphy, if you do have Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, Deontay Thompson, then I think you can just say, Peterson, you take out Stefan Diggs, and we'll take care of the rest. You know, it's interesting. And, you know, earlier I'd asked Patrick a question, and I looked at the Bills a couple weeks ago, and they were running more 10 personnel than any other team in the league. Now, as of today, the Cardinals are at 21%. They're at 18%. But they literally go four wide, and they all do something a little bit different. And Diggs sometimes lines up in the slot. We know that Beasley's a slot receiver. I think he's in that same category. Maybe not as, uh, um, maybe that ceiling's not as high as Cooper Cup. I think he's one of the best in the league. And then you throw in John Brown. We know what he can do, you know, and, and then I think it's McKenzie, the other guy. Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie. He's, he's, he's an interesting guy because as we talk about with the Cardinals, if you're playing, you know, man to man, well, is it, is it a linebacker or a safety, or do you have to go with an extra defensive back because he's drawn the fourth option there? So, you know, we talked about his numbers yesterday. He's, you know, obviously different quarterbacks in Minnesota when he was there. Josh Allen's playing like Kyler Murray. He's an MVP conversation. I mean, he's he's a dual threat. He's huge. I, I don't know what the comparison would be. You know, you look at Daniel Jones, but he has a lot of turnovers. Team's not winning. Is he like Cam Newton? You know, when Cam was kind of in his heyday, um, they're both franchise quarterbacks. So 
Yeah, I mean, they do. So, again, they're at 18%, but they do go four wide. So it's going to be interesting to see the matchups. And what you said is exactly right. Drake or Patrick was on the practice field uh, today in the last couple of days. I don't know who he's listed as, just during the open portion. Um, obviously, Murphy's coming off COVID, Patrick. And, you know, you look at uh, Jonathan Joseph. He was out there today wearing number 25. Uh, and then you've got some backups and in, 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 in some uh, slot guys. But for the most part, in the safety position between Banjo, Deontay, Buddha, and Jalen, they look good there. So, again, what a difference a week makes when they played the Dolphins last week. Kevin Peterson, Bosby, you know, they had some guys out there that, sure, you know, next man up. But they got exposed a little bit. I want to give you credit because you brought this up with both Peterson and Vance Joseph, something that I had not talked about with respect to four wide and that personnel that the Bills use. But the Cardinals see that every single day in practice, going back to training camp. And then, as Peterson said, good on good. Sometimes the ones do go against the ones during practice. And I think that does serve as a little bit of an advantage because it's not a surprise anymore. All of a sudden, you've got four or five receivers, and all of a sudden, you are ready. You know it's coming, but are you ready for it to happen? And I think because of what they saw in training camp and how fast the Cardinals' offense operates, this team, talking about the Cardinals' defense, should be ready for whatever personnel they put out on the field with the Bills' defense. Yeah, and and again, going back to training camp, and then even Van said they, they have they have work during the week going four wide. So. Um, again, you still got to cover. You still got to get push pressure on the quarterback. You know, we know about, you know, trying to contain him, Allen in the pocket, but at least they have experience going against talented wide receivers. Now, some may say the Bills top four are better than the Cardinals. We can debate that. Uh, I like both teams wide receivers and I like both quarterbacks. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a scenario where that's going to show up on game day where Craig, I look at the 10 personnel teams. Some are at 3%. Some are like eight, six percent. The only teams in the teens are the Cardinals and the Bills, because we always talked about this last year when Cliff wanted to come out. Remember, they ran from the sidelines or were four or five wide. You got to protect the edges. And when you have a mobile quarterback, you can get away with it a little bit more. So and Cliff's gone more 10, 11 and 12 personnel. I think 11 personnel is their base uh, offense three wide one tight and one back we're seeing max and arnold and probably daniels in the game maybe we'll see two running backs in the game to throw them off but yeah i mean not a lot of teams do that and the cardinals have practiced against it in training camp and they do it weekly here so i don't know if it's an advantage but they're not going to be surprised i think you have to have the personnel in order to run 10 personnel four wide receivers and i think the bills do have that wide receiver core, whether it's Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown, Isaiah McKenzie. Don't forget about Andre Roberts as right. well. Certainly a good special teams player, but they can put him on the field as a wide out as well. And you mentioned it, not a surprise. And I think that's the key word here as far as the Cardinals. Yeah, you can look at it on film. You can teach it in the classroom, but it's one thing to see it on the football field. And this Cardinals defense has seen it on the football field every single day since everyone got together in training camp but protecting the edges, and that leads us to the pass rush conversation. Patrick Peterson called it vital this week because Josh Allen is so dangerous in the pocket. If you can get him uncomfortable, Vance Joseph brought up Allen hanging on to the ball too long, he's going to make plays. You're asking your secondary to cover for too long of time. 
So you need to be able to stay in your lanes, rush upfield, and maybe, again, it's not always the sacks, but make sure he knows that you're coming after him. Make him aware, breathe down his neck a little bit, and make him uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think, you know, with with uh, Kennard coming back and obviously bringing back Golden on a trade, and we know Hassan Ruddick, you know, he's put up numbers. Want to see, you know, consistently, though, you know, He's, he's, you know, he's, he's done a good job, but I want to see it over a period of time. And then you throw in Kylie Fitz. So I think they got a good rotation out there. You know, Kylie Fitz is, he's a spot guy. Um, but just the energy with, um, you know, Reddick and, and Golden and then the way Kennard sets the edge really good in the, uh, in the Russia defense. So they're, they're further ahead than they were a week ago at that position. So I think they're going to have a good rotation there. Now, Jordan Phillips has missed a little bit of time, but, you know, obviously he's a guy that's been experienced. And as you pointed out yesterday, he, he came from Buffalo. Cardinals gave him a long-term deal, so I, I have a hard time thinking he's going to miss that game. But, you know, you look at Morrow, Josh Morrow, and then, you know, they're kind of taking the spot of Zach Allen, Blackson, Corey Peters, um, Michael Dogby's getting more uh, opportunities in, in the open portion of practice. So, that's where it all starts, but just having three outside linebackers that can rush and then Kylie Fitz is more of an energy guy, he could possibly, you know, win a one-on-one matchup that frees somebody else up. Here's what Coach Joseph had to say about the Cardinals' pass rush. Quote, has been really good so far. It's worked out for us, even in the absence of a Chandler Jones. He added later, quote, I'm excited about our pass rush, end quote. But then he brought up something that we talked about earlier this week, and that is – winning on first and second down to force offenses into third down. The Dolphins only had eight third downs. They converted on four of those. You've got to be able to get the Bills into third down, whether that's third and medium or third and long. And that's when you can really bring the heat, the blitz, if you will, when you rush five, rush six, maybe even bring seven to kind of speed it up as far as Josh Allen's decision-making and getting that ball out of his hand as fast as possible. Yeah, and we know – uh, based on the last game, Isaiah Simmons played more than he has. And Vance has been very consistent when he meets with us on Thursdays that there are packages for him, and they're trying to get to third down. And, you know, they only had nine possessions last week. Cardinals only had nine. I looked it up. They're averaging about 10 to 11 per game, so that's one left possession. But if they can get to third down, you, uh, again, I would add Isaiah Simmons to a guy that can also rush the passer. He can also cover possibly some of their tight end. Uh, on the crossing route, so we probably should include him. But you got to get the third down in order for him to really unleash those packages. That's where you see Buddha coming off the edge. That's where you see Murphy coming off the edge. They'll show two guys lined up, and you think they're rushing seven or nine, but then they drop back in the coverage to confuse the quarterback. With Simmons, what I've noticed, and I don't know how many times, but when he typically is lined up as a slot defender, He's coming in and rushing the quarterback. Now that is a different look. Does now all of a sudden sometimes he drop back? You got to be able to confuse that yeah. quarterback. And the Cardinals did that with Russell Wilson. Now you got to come up with maybe a different package or two or three to confuse Josh Allen because as Vance Joseph said, you want to be able to do a good job of attacking what they see on tape. And then as far as changing things up early so you don't give Josh Allen the same looks on Sundays that he's practiced against Monday through Saturday. Yeah, and he also reminded us they started the game against the Seahawks 21-0 in the first quarter. 
Now, Seattle, at the end, obviously, they were trying to come back. They put up a ton of yards, but the game was pretty much out of reach, you know, after that third quarter. But you can't fall down to the Bills because all of a sudden that defense becomes impromptu. Guys start pressing a little bit. So it'd be awesome to see the Cardinals get off to a good start. Um, we know if they win the toss, they're likely going to defer. But when the offense goes on the field, it'd be nice to see that the other team doesn't have seven points on the, on the, on the scoreboard. Let me ask you about that winning in the coin toss. When Bruce Arians was here, he always wanted the football. Bill Belichick was the first to kind of say, no, I'm going to defer because I like doubling up. Score at the end of the first half, get the ball to begin the second half. Do you have a preference either way with regard to what you'd like to see Kingsbury do? I think right now, if they do win the toss, I think all season long they deferred. But I have heard a segment of the Bird Gang out there that would like the offense to get on the field to maybe set the tone, get that first score and force the opponent to come from behind. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Belichick double up because it's all you have to do. Now it's not easy because less, you know, there's been games where the Cardinals have gotten three and out in the first possession. Um, and then if you, if you, let's say they get a couple first downs, but they have to punt. Now, if you can get that ball out to late in the first half, you're going to get the ball to open up the second half. The key is you have to, you have to limit their options in that first possession. You can't have your offense go out there and then give up a fumble for a touchdown. Where now the next time they go on the field, their defense is down seven nothing. So I guess it's all about uh, the team you're playing. You know, if you're playing the Chiefs, I mean, you want to have the ball last. I, I don't know. It just seems like I don't know what the number is, but it's got to it's got to be in the 90s when it comes to deferring. Because if you make that stop in that first possession, then you benefit by getting the ball in the second half. I like what you said, because if you do get that three and out, which the Cardinals did against the Dolphins, Pather Murray fumbled it away. But then you can you put the defense on the field first to either get the crowd going at home or to try to silence the opposing crowd. And sometimes all you need is that one stop. The offense comes on, whether it's a touchdown or field goal, you certainly would love to get six as opposed to three and then kick the PAT. But I, I like that Belichick philosophy, and I think he was the first, and maybe Bird Gang, if you've heard of someone else that came up with it, but I think he gets a lot of that credit because now you're doubling up and you're going from either maybe you're trailing to ahead or you're up by four and all of a sudden then you're up by 17 because you've doubled up those two possessions, the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Yeah, and, you know, I think Cliff's done a good job with, uh, you know, um, scripting plays. I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to scripted plays, they also have a third down package, so you kind of come off your script. But the worst thing is to do, now the Cardinals don't win the toss, they make it the ball first, okay? It's 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 really 50-50, right? So the worst thing you want to do is come out and go three and out. Because now all of a sudden you've been hyped up for the game. You feel like the script is working. And now you got to put your defense on the field. So that could be a little deflating going three and out or, you know, a false start penalty or a holding penalty. Now you're sitting at third and 15 versus third and three. So that could be deflating. If your defense makes a stop, I think it creates energy for the sidelines. Cardinals have won the toss each of the past two games. They lost the toss at Dallas. The Cowboys deferred, and the Cardinals got the ball and went three and out on offense. So I certainly like having the defense on the field first, unless, of course, that decision's taken out of your hands. But I think 
Kingsbury has been very consistent about deferring, and it's always been Larry Fitzgerald out there saying, no, no, we'll we'll defer the option and then pick which way they want to go. Yeah, it looks like this year with COVID, you don't have as many captains out there. And so we know the Cardinals have X amount of captains, but Larry's out there. And if you're playing on the East Coast outdoors, sometimes it's about the wind. You want the win in your back in the fourth quarter versus trying to kick a field goal in the wind. So there are a couple variables, but we don't have to worry about that weather-wise at State Farm Stadium. Nope, but the Cardinals might have to when they travel to the Patriots and also the Giants. And uh, <laughs> we'll just kind of have to wait and see what the uh, what Mother Nature has in store for those games on November 29th and December 13th, respectively. I'm watching, I remember watching the Cardinals early when I moved here in 1988. Ironically, uh, the same year they moved here, there was a game in the Meadowlands, and and there was a swirling wind, and they actually opened the door. And I can't remember it had it, it had an outcome on the game. Now you could say when the I think it was the Patriots in a playoff game, they had some uh, guy come out there and snow plow where they're going to kick the ball, which you know home 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 team uh, home field advantage stuff. But yeah, I remember that. I don't know if it was El Del Greco. But when they opened that door at the end of the game, the wind took the ball away, and you didn't really have an opportunity to, to win the game with a field goal. Well, here locally, Chase Field, roof open, roof closed. It all depends on how well the ball travels. And we yeah. know back in the day, for the bird game that's been here for a long, long time, Kurt Schilling always preferred to have the roof closed. But uh, that's a discussion yeah. for another time. If you want to look it up, just certainly uh, Google it. It's uh, easy to find. Bird Gang, make sure you subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Continue here on this Thursday, Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. One other note on Peterson. He was asked about how difficult it is to defend here in 2020 because of how high profile the offenses are and it's been a pass happy league and scoring is up across the board and Peterson kind of went into a tangent and all of a sudden started talking about how difficult it is for him and his teammates as far as the other bees and then called out okay called out is is the wrong terminology but had a specific proposal in mind for Commissioner Roger Goodell is more like a plea to have more officials on the field so they can see more of the game, more of the field, because in his mind, the pass interference call on him that happened in the fourth quarter, which, by the way, I had to look up because it was declined, but a flag was thrown on Devontae Parker's catch for 17 yards. But Peterson said he didn't interfere with Parker, and he mentioned it that he watched the tape 30 different times, talked with the <laughs> official, and the official says, well, I thought, or from my vantage point, and that's when Peterson kind of went off like, no, we need more eyes on the field. Here's the quote. We need more eyes on the field, Mr. Goodell, end quote. I don't think it's going to happen, MJ, but uh, props for Peterson to bring it up. Well, and Vance talked about, you know, Really, how the question became is, is basically there's records set every weekend. We have more points, more touchdowns. Um, we have more returns. Uh, you know, when it comes to just the league, we, I think there's 
four or five teams averaging over 30 points. Earlier was a lot more. The Cardinals have 29-3 right now. Um, listen, let's be honest. Uh, because of player safety, all the rules are geared towards the offense. Now, they got rid of the DPI, OPI, um, or DPI last year where you can challenge it, et cetera. So, it, listen, when it comes to fantasy and, and entertainment sports, I mean, they love scoring. And, you know, again, when we get to December, it's going to be a little bit different. But first thing I thought of is more eyes, more flags. Longer football games. And the NFL prefers these games three hours and three minutes, three hours and five minutes. They don't want these things bleeding to 320. Now, if you have overtime, and that's the reason why we see games in the afternoon start at 05 or 25, because they, if a game's out of reach, they can go to another one. Listen, they, they, they have the replay official and, you know, they got an official in the booth. There's also an official on the sidelines that can help. He's wearing, he wears a jacket, but he also has his uh, official uniform in case an injury happens. But, more eyes, more flags, Craig. I'm sorry. With it respect. sounds good in theory. He's exactly right. All the rules are for offense. Well, and that's what Coach Joseph touched on. Quote, it's definitely tilted to the offense. The rules are slanted, end quote. But he understands that's what we're up against. That's what we know we're going to face. So you have to adjust accordingly. And I think some defensive backs and some defenses are but it is difficult because you can't be as physical with a receiver that is running routes. It's much like the NBA. You get rid of the hand check. There's less yep. physicality, especially down low in the post. Does it make for a better game? It certainly makes it more eye-pleasing as far as points are being scored, and then it's more fun for the fans because they like to see touchdowns. They don't like to see incomplete passes or field goals or punts. But I understand it from Peterson's point of view and the rest of the defense. Although, if it was that big of a deal, you know, going back to college or high school, Peterson could have played offense. <laughs> he could have made that decision and not played DB at LSU. So, to some of this, it's on his shoulders as well. Well, I think he was like a three-sport star. So, you know, what do you call those champagne problems? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he also said they push off. Again, you, as a defensive back, you can you can wrestle with the guy up till five yards, and after that, you got to keep your hands off him. But he says they push off. And Craig, look at and Vance mentioned over the last four years, and maybe it was Patrick, but Vance alluded to it too. Uh, the completion percentages of these quarterbacks—they're a lot higher than they used to be. You go back 15 years. We didn't have this much scoring. Teams were running the ball. They get to the fourth quarter. You play good defense. You punt. You play for field position. Again, sometimes the weather can play a factor. But these these guys are – I mean, Kyler Murray's on pace for over 4,000 yards. Well, we and, mentioned it yesterday with Josh Allen. His completion percentage, 67.1% this year. He was at 58.8 last year. That's almost a 10% jump, which is unheard of when you're talking about accuracy as far as quarterbacks. You're either accurate or you're not. You can't improve upon that stat. Yet here is Josh Allen in year number three, up to over 67% completion percentage. Yeah, and, and, and they're throwing the ball more, so you would think the law of averages would be down. Now, it's not for all quarterbacks. Obviously, if your team's struggling, you're, you're not at that rate, but the completion percentage is up. We're seeing guys uh, get targeted more. Uh, we're seeing more. It seems like more passes than rushes. 
Um, clearly, the league has changed, but I do have to agree with Patrick. The rules are geared toward the offense. Well, this from the league earlier today. We are here in 2020 in the midst of the highest scoring season through week nine. The most total points, points per game, total touchdowns, offensive touchdowns, again through week nine, and on pace to record new marks in league-wide passer rating and league-wide completion percentage. Right now, second most league-wide completions and total touchdown passes. We'll see if it's across the board. But to your point, yes, it's geared towards the offense because that's what makes everything run as far as getting butts in seats and everyone in front of a television because they like these 44-34 contests or these 31-36 games. Um, it's not always fun for defensive coordinators. In fact, Vance Joseph was asked about that. Are you just kind of subject and, and, and just kind of plan that you're going to give up points because of what teams can do, and specifically the Bills? And he said, no, no, no. We have a plan to stop opponents from scoring points, period. I'm not sitting there going, and I'm paraphrasing here and putting words in his mouth, but he's not saying, okay, let's say we give up 20. That's okay because they're averaging 26. No, 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 no. <laughs> we stop them. Our goal is to stop them every single time Josh Allen and the Bills are on the football field. All right. So NFL Fox put out midseason awards. Best game so far. They listed week three between the Bills and the Rams. Okay, we knew that, um, remember, Buffalo was up by a lot and the Rams came back. There were a couple questionable calls. Week two, obviously, you had the Falcons and Cowboys. That was, you know, somebody blew a lead in that game. Um, and then you go week eight, Steelers-Ravens. You know what else makes the list? Week seven, Seahawks-Cardinals. So they listed four games. In all of those games, High-scoring games, teams were down by 13 to 17 points. Uh, the Cardinals, obviously, you know, with the Seahawks, that was high-scoring game. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Wilson turned the ball over, but they were able to, you know, put some points up there. So when you look at the best game so far, we're not looking at a defensive matchup. Now, the Ravens and Steelers, that's kind of the black and blue division. But all these other games, either you came from behind or their score was in the 30s. Well, I'll go back and say because the Cardinals won, the Seahawks game certainly the most enjoyable one for Cardinal fans because it had everything, high scoring, great quarterback play, and then the defense made several stops. And in the one big stop, Zane Gonzalez in position to win it in OT. So, yeah, that for Cardinal fans is the game of the season Although I don't know if they'd be saying that or we'd be saying that if it was reversed and the Cardinals walked off the field with a loss. And it was on prime time. There you go. Now, without the spotlight, how do the Cardinals react? How do they play when you have a very good Buffalo Bills team coming to town? Before we exit here on this Thursday edition, do want to update. Coach Joseph was asked about a couple of different players that I think are going to be key this week, specifically MJ Byron Murphy who is coming off the reserve COVID-19 list, according to Joseph, is full go, which is great to hear because you have no idea. He missed one game. What is he doing? What is he able to do to stay in shape? And then Buda Baker, who has not been on the practice field for the past couple of days because of a groin injury. But according to Joseph, Baker is, quote, getting better and better every day. It looks good for Buda, end quote. And we know without 32 on the field what this defense looks like 
going all the way back to that Carolina game in week four. And another thing that was encouraging, watching Kenyon Drake back on the practice field. I know he's listed as limited, um, but I don't see any hesitation. I don't see any, uh, you know, favor in the ankle. So that's good news because we know what that one-two punch, including Kyler Murray, can mean when it comes to running the football. be interesting to see how much running the football has happened on Sunday, especially from the Bills' standpoint, because we've seen them win ball games differently over the last couple of weeks where you're throwing a lot, you're running a lot against the Patriots, you're throwing a lot against the Jets. So whatever gets you a W, but they're a hard team to kind of prepare for because they've shown that they can win either with the pass and ignore the run or with the run and ignore the pass. That's a good observation because that's what I've done done when I look at the Bills from week one to now. Every week is different, and that tells me when it comes to their offensive coordinator, Ryan Dayball, um, it's all based on matchups. Now, if if the Bills were playing the Cardinals last week, definitely it would be high, heavy passing. It's, it's changed now. you got Jalen knocking the rust off. Um, it's really the first time since week one everyone's on the field together because Jalen, he only played two snaps. You missed Buda in week, uh, against the Panthers. So, yeah, I, I, if they were playing last week, that would be my biggest concern, one of the keys there. But now that everything's settling down, guys are playing their natural positions. Um, you know, obviously they got to execute. Uh, I think there's going to be a mixture, but again, down and distance will dictate, as Vance pointed out, they got to get them in some third and longs where they can start to tee off a little bit. Speaking of keys, MJ, got a homework assignment coming up here tonight. I know Thursday night football will have your attention. But you also got to give the Bird Gang what they want every single Friday, and that is MJ's three keys to a win plus the X factor. So uh, you got some work to do. Yes, and I want to get into some of the historical numbers when it comes to Kyle Murray, because if he gets like 143, 193 yards, I should know this, uh, he's going to go into this elite category. And I think the other other quarterback has done that's Cam Newton, and we know Cam Newton won the MVP. Uh, of course, they went 13, or they were 15 and one that year because the right. Cardinals were 13 and three. I'm not saying put him in there, but also if you want to do a Polaroid snapshot when Lamar Jackson won the MVP and to what Kyler Murray now, they were six and two. You'd have to look at how they did in the second half of the season because obviously the Ravens were in the postseason. Um, but it's, it's, they almost mirror each other when it comes to stats. So, um, we know that Kyler would trade those stats in, and we would too for wins. But it's pretty historical what he's doing in, in his first 24 games. And he, going into that 25th game, historical numbers based on him just throwing for 150 yards. It's a good tease forward, Mike Jarecki, for a football Friday. And on that note, Bird Gang, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Covered. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, who has work to do, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.